You're about to listen to an episode of Krina and Kirsten Get to Work that was recorded before our community was asked to shelter in place. Rest assured that Kirsten and I take the COVID-19 pandemic very seriously, and we will be recording remotely from our respective homes from here on out. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for keeping yourself, your family, and your community safe. Wash your hands. Don't touch your faces. Stay home and listen to podcasts. Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about competition. You go, girl. Go, girl. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we're talking about competition. Competition. Yeah, we're doing it. We are. We are going to muscle up to the Chicks, bar. Chicks, girls, ladies, women, babes, and competition. In the workplace. I was going to say belly up. I said muscle up to the bar. Muscle up to the bar. I, I don't know why I want to have a competition at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm taking you down, whoever you are. Drinking competition, probably, the way my life's been going lately. Because we're in the middle of a pandemic. We are. We are in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so far, we still do not have, like, lockdown. Yeah, in our community. So... Folks know we record this show a little bit before it airs. and In the clubhouse. As of now in the clubhouse, uh, we are Five still- Five feet apart. We're still allowed to be close to one with another. With a bottle of alcohol, rubbing alcohol on the table, which Karina has lovingly sanitized every piece of equipment and surface in the room. Yeah, it used Dear to friend. be gin or- Manhattan. Manhattan's. Now it's rubbing alcohol. It's that is the only kind alcohol. of alcohol that matters. It's like, how many hand sanitizers can I squirt on my body at one time? Anyway, so yeah, we're in the middle of this pandemic. We are not in, it's not called lockdown though, is it? It is. Shelter in place. Shelter in place. Sorry. We're still allowed to be near people, but just not very close. So we just want to assure you that we are far away from one another. With and, lots of hand sanitizer. And not touching the same services, etc. But we also recognize that there's some sort of normalcy that we have to maintain mm-hmm. if we're going to get through this. I agree. It's a very scary time. You know, I'm talking to clients all day long. And honestly, I love them. I do. I love them. But by the end of the day, I'm pretty freaked out because I'm dealing with problems with the virus all day. Primarily, I would say probably 70 to 90% of my daily work is about the virus layoffs, what kind of protections to take at work, where does somebody find information? How do they talk with their landlord about getting their rent deferred? I mean, there's just lots of those issues that keep coming up again and again, and they are a bit freaking me out. But I also, the way is through, we will get through this. Yeah, I see a lot of competence and creativity and tenacity and kindness mm-hmm. which we talked about in the last special coronavirus episode we just released yeah and kindness is one of those things too that i wasn't sure to expect and like i said i'm i am seeing it me too oh for sure and what you just said there the way through this is through it is that what you just yes, said yes the way is through the way is through i'm taking great comfort in the fact that we will get through this this is not the rest of our lives it's the rest of the month and maybe next month. It's okay. 
And like we said just a second ago, trying to maintain some sort of normalcy is one of the ways to get through it, which is why we've chosen to continue to record these episodes. And, you know, a lot of people still have to go to work and you will be going back to work with coworkers when this is over. So we want you ready to go. Which are ready we want to you ready to rebuild. And compete. And compete. Because that's what we're talking about today is competition. This topic, honestly... Karina and I have been working on show topics for just over a year. We've kept a list since we kind of first started envisioning this thing and thinking about what we wanted to talk about on the podcast. And I have really been wanting to talk about competition. This is like one of my favorite topics for Why? us to talk. Oh, because it's so great. It's so misunderstood. It's so important. It's so energizing and inspiring. And I just want women at work to get behind competition. Do you think you've had a particularly unique and also positive relationship to competition? Yes, no question. I'm going to say probably because of your sports background and also because you're an attorney or a yes, lawyer. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. I think that my experience in team sports and individual sports and most of my sporting life was with individual sports. Hmm. So even more so, like one person lost and one person won, you know, like in a tennis match. It wasn't a team necessarily. So yes, and I do think that when you're a lawyer, you're one person wins and one person loses. I mean, there are times when there are degrees of that, but that's generally the case. So I think I've had a lot of experience with it. But at the same time, like I think I have a different view of competition. What do you think that is? I know you said something to me earlier about how you think you have a new or a unique understanding of competition. How do you see that? Since I'm like a lawyer, weird, data geek, specificity, whatever, nerd. The ah! <laughs> oh, my God. You got me. Do you got any more? It's true. I know it's true. Well, you know, I, I haven't – I really haven't been – no, I have no more. I think that's just, just fine. That is just fine. I went to the definition of competition, <laughs> which was my point. Mm-hmm. And it says, strive to gain or win something by defeating or establishing superiority over others who are trying to do the same. So I think that the general view of competition is it's a takeaway. Yeah. I've taken away something from somebody else and I'm getting something for myself. All right. And I th- I don't agree with that. I do not think that that... It sounds negative. The definition is very negative in it's my It's very opinion. negative. And as you rightly pointed out in one of our conversations with this... It is conflated with conflict. Yeah. And most of the articles that we were reading about especially female competition, specifically female competition, the articles would conflate competitiveness with conflict. Fights. And I thought, wait a minute. In fact, cat fight kept coming up. And yeah. I thought... No, I don't know if that is accurate. And I got very confused by that. So that was one of the things I got to get curious about. And Kirsten, something you said to me was, I think that competition is a way to strive for something that you want, to achieve something that you want or admire, to identify a quality or a trait or a skill in someone else and aspire to, to get achieve there, it. To, to achieve, achieve it. it. Yep. Which to me sounds exactly the way I want to live my life, not fraught with conflict Mm -hmm. and taking something from people. I really think of competition as looking for what's exemplary for you, what you just described. What is the experience you want? What is the skill you want? What is the achievement you want? Mm -hmm. Right? Now, I am not saying that there aren't times that you, there is only one gold medal. 
right? Mm -hmm. And there are times that you just need to take the gold medal, right? That you achieve a certain standard or quality or whatever, where that's what you, you take. And women have to be willing to take the gold medal for sure. But I think the process of getting there does not have to be about defeating somebody else or screwing somebody else, but it is about lifting yourself up. Yeah. So how do women view competition in general. There's a lot of data, a lot of scientific studies. I know that you were just so excited to, to read them. You know, I loved it. Um, I'm really curious to dig in. How do women see competition and how is that different than men? And, you know, I have to put a footnote in there that one of the things that I thought was really interesting is for the most part, women compete with other women. When yes. you're put in a group setting yes. at work, et cetera, we identify other women as, as our, our competitors and not our co-workers and not our men, you know, and not our men, <laughs> not our men, not our men. We don't view our men. <laughs> we don't view <laughs> men the same way we view women, which is also interesting. That was that for me it was like, what? So I want to challenge all of the listeners out there to think about that, to think about when you're at work. Who is it that you view as your competitors? Because I think that's what the data shows. That's what the studies show that women look to other women. For me, when I was a new associate, a new young lawyer, I didn't have any female associates around me. I just had male associates around me. In fact, I only worked with one other woman that was a lawyer. And she was on the far side of the office and we had completely different personalities. And she was like an alien to me. I just had no, I had no way of relating to her. So I was very alone. So to me, my first professional competition was with men. Hmm. So I never had that. But I have heard over and over again from friends and colleagues, and then I know from the studies. So that's the first thing I want to challenge listeners to. Who do you view as your competitors? Yeah. Yeah. Who's your competition? I bet you women who are pioneers in their field or in leadership feel a lot like you did. You know, of course you didn't compete with other women because there weren't any there other were women around. to compete with. And, you know, yeah. I think women in leadership are in higher positions within um, organizations where there become fewer and fewer women yep. often feel like that. Mm -hmm. I wonder, now you read a study at Great. I read a really interesting study called Female Competition and Aggression, and it was basically an interdisciplinary like study, like they went through, and I forget what they call this. There's a name they call this. It's like there's some kind of a name scientists call it. It's not that important, but they go through other studies that it's have been done. It's basically like a literature review. It's like a review. Way. Yeah, they go through other studies and make conclusions and then compare them to other studies. And so the female competition and aggression was an interdisciplinary approach to this process. And so they did all sorts of things. They looked at the behavior of animals, of mice, of chimpanzees, the behavior of humans, of birds. They looked at different kinds of behavior of humans, like competition, reproduction. And what was really, really interesting, my big takeaways, although there's a ton in this article, and I don't want to get too deep in it, because I'm sure I'll, I'm, I will misstate something that was, is beyond my capacity. But it was really interesting. The fundamental conclusion that I drew from all of this information is that women appear to be less competitive than men, that they appear to be less competitive than men because the behaviors that they engage in typically are low risk and low use of resources. So what does that mean? So that means like, for example, if you get into a fight 
with another, let's say you're an adolescent, you get into a fight with another adolescent, the approach that a female adolescent will take is to isolate or to bully the person that they're competing against. And that's very low risk behavior. You're not going to lose anything. You're not going to get hurt. And when you engage in that behavior, you have others helping you, Mm -hmm. right? You engage your social group to do that too. Whereas guys who are adolescents are more likely just to punch each other in the face. Yeah. And that's a high risk behavior because you could break your nose, you could lose a tooth. So what the study talks about again and again is how women are engaging in much more covert, far less overt less aggressive, but it's not because they are less aggressive, I don't think. It's because they don't want to risk as many resources. And I, of course, take all of this back to reproduction. Yeah. Well, right? and the study did as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and I, when you were describing what you had learned when you read this, it just harkened back to the mean girls of high school. Yeah, it harkens back to it's the It's like girls that of kind of competition, school. which a lot of the competition that happens between women, turns out, is around reproduction and attracting a mate, at least in the animal kingdom. Yep. And what I didn't realize, like what I learned about oxytocin is that I thought it was just a relaxer to make you sit and nurse your baby. What I found out is it actually is a big trigger for aggression. And I didn't have that when I had surging levels of oxytocin as a nursing mom, but you had aggression. Oh, yeah. When I was a brand new mom, I was horribly aggressive. Like they called me the mama bear. I almost killed my father-in-law. So there's some of these things, these stereotypes that actually start to pan out in the data. Yeah. So interesting. So this low risk mean girl kind Mm -hmm. of behavior Mm -hmm. plays out in the animal kingdom and in humans. And it is one of the ways that women tend to compete. Again, low risk, low use of resources. Mm -hmm. Now you extrapolate that to the workplace. And that's a whole nother ball of wax. And we've seen that one of the tactics that people use frequently when we were talking about when we did all that research for our show on isolation, Mm -hmm. we learned that that kind of isolation, that kind of behavior, that kind of negative competition, I guess, Mm -hmm. expression of competition Mm -hmm. is more harmful to someone than overt bullying. And here's the deal. Conversely, in this conversation, we know how effective a method If you are trying to hurt somebody, take away something from somebody, change somebody's behavior, it's incredibly effective and very low risk. And so aside from reproduction, which we're seeing in the animal kingdom, and, you know, I want to believe that that's not necessarily the only reason women compete with other women, you know, humans. Why do women use such low resource, covert types of competition. You know, one of the reasons is I think it's because we're told we're not, that's the socially acceptable one. Absolutely. The narrative around women and female Mm -hmm. competitiveness is that is more acceptable. It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to be overt. Correct. You have to be covert. Yeah. And I mean, Mm -hmm. of course, it's not acceptable to punch anyone, someone in the face, but Mm -hmm. that's conflict. I'm talking about competition where is it's not okay for, for me to say, I want to be better than you. It's not okay in the workplace, in society, anywhere. And that's the part I'm trying to, that's the part I really want people to press upon. It is okay. It is okay to say, I want to be that good, or I want to have that skill. I want to be better at that job than that person is. That is okay to want to have that kind of achievement. It doesn't make you a bad 
woman. It doesn't mean you're taking something away from somebody. It means you are looking to have some level of success or achievement or accomplishment for yourself. Right. And we should all be lifting, you know, we should all be trying to lift ourselves up. Yeah. And so in an effort to sort of stifle that what we are told we're not allowed to do, we turned into mean girls. We I think turned into in, me, a, yeah. in, a, in a really, obviously oversimplified yeah, no, I think it's an oversimplification, but I think it's a really good way to think about it. I think that, and this is, we have this society, which as we know, is created by the patriarchy, and we play a part in that. And this kind of behavior, competitive behavior is not acceptable. And here's the problem. There is a lot of data and conversation out there about whether or not you have to be competitive at work to be successful. Mm-hmm. So Karina, what did you find in your research about whether or not you have to be competitive to be successful? Well, I think in a lot of ways you do have to be competitive to be successful because you have to outperform. You have to outperform someone in order to get that job. Mm -hmm. You have to outperform somebody in order to get that raise. Now, you might be working in a team setting. It might be more collaborative, et cetera, but you do have to engage in competition. In fact, there's a woman named Ashley Merriman. She wrote a book called Top Dog, The Science of Winning and Losing. And she maintains that, you know, competition also drives creativity. There's a great quote in one of the articles that we read where she's saying, you know, whether professional musicians or school children, studies show competition fuels creativity and improves the quality of the work product, right? And the skills that make you a great competitor, like willingness to push boundaries, trust your instincts, problem solve, those are the exact same skills that are required for innovation. In the workplace, In the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, to answer that question, competition is essential. And you have to be comfortable with it. Now, you know, there's also a lot of information out there, and I think we can all attest that competition doesn't always drive creativity. And you have to be, it has to be the right kind of competition, and it has to be the right setting. And we have to be willing and participants. It is not the only factor. No, I mean, we, you know, I, you, you cannot have a cage match in the middle of the exactly. break room. Exactly. Not going to be um, real helpful. But which is one of my favorite uh, visuals. But yeah, using competition as a tool, as a healthy tool to, you know, drive innovation, creativity and achieve higher, lot more lofty goals. Why not? Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. People respond to competition, to the opportunity to compete differently. Yeah, it is true. In fact, that same woman I just referenced says about 25% of people are unaffected by competition. It doesn't really drive them one way or the other. Another 25% wilt wilt at the notion of competition, but about 50% benefit from it. They seem to perform better. So again, it isn't for everyone. But I do think we are social creatures. We are tribal creatures. And when we see somebody else achieving something or doing something, that can inspire us, give us an example of what can be accomplished, motivate us. And so I think that makes, to me, that just makes a ton of sense that the vast majority of people do better under competition. Yeah. I know we've been referencing a lot of studies and articles, but I have to say this one was particularly interesting to me. And I think it's because in a lot of ways, this article was particularly interesting to me because it it just resonated with some stories that I've been told along the way as as a woman and a relatively strong woman. 
Stanford did a study. So shout out to Stanford because we're usually shouting out to Harvard. I know exactly. You got to shout out to Stanford. Shout out to to another one of the seven (laughs) Ivy Leagues. So Stanford did a study where they really tried to test competition and women and you know gender differences in how we approach competition. And so they gave some math problems, simple math problems, to a group of people, men and women, let them practice, and then said, okay, how many of you think you are look around? How many of you think you're going to be the number one? How many of you think you're going to be best at this? And, you know, you can you can guess most of the guys thought they were going to be number one because they've been handed their life on a silver platter. And about 45% of women. Isn't that fascinating? So 75... Totally confirms the information we have from other shows and yeah. studies. 75% of men looked around a room and said, I'm the best here. <laughs> 45% of women did. So then the researchers said, okay, given that, how many of you want to enter into, into a tournament, test your skills? And of all of the people in the room, about 75% of men were willing participants in a competition and about 35% of women. So that's interesting. Women opt out of competition. Women opted out. But here's the even more interesting piece for me. Of those people who thought that they were number one, of those people who looked around and genuinely said, yeah, I can take all y'all and I'm going to come out ahead, 80% of the men entered this tournament or this competition, and only 50% of the women did. Which mirrors exactly the data that we had around applying for promotions. Exactly. It's it, Yes, right? Me, or no, it was applying for jobs. It, yeah, jobs and yeah, jobs for and jobs promotions. Yep. Where men apply for anything. They just look at them and they're like, yeah, I got this. And women have to have 70% or more, I believe it was. Yes, of, of, the, the, qualifications of the qualifications in order to even apply. Or maybe it was men would qual. No, men would apply if they had seventy percent, and uh, women need everything. Something. Yeah, women needed a hundred percent. We're conflating our studies, but they get our point. Yeah, ladies, we're just not jumping into competition as often <laughs> as men are. Do we need to cite more studies? Do we need more data? I don't know. So if we're not entering, we're not throwing our hats in the ring, and men are. And automatically, we're taking ourselves out of the running for a lot mm-hmm. of things that we want, that we genuinely want. What is it that we compete for in the workplace? We compete, obviously, for jobs and promotions. But I think we're also competing for attention, respect, regards, just getting some space at the table to be heard, those sorts of things. And I think what my hope is, is that when Women are competing for those things. We need to acknowledge that, yeah, they're limited. There's only one promotion. And it is really okay to compete for that, but to be really aware of not being covert about it, not using those tactics that can be social isolation or bullying or that, all those weird things, but to be direct in your actions. Yeah, direct and maybe even name it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I I want that thing. It's okay. I'd like to get that promotion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's interesting though is you know this, like you said, this competition over things that are limited. You know, depending on your workplace, compliments may not be free flowing. Mm-hmm. Accolades may not be free flowing. Promotions certainly are. Promotions are probably not free flowing, and so we're operating in this um, resource scarce environment. And I think being aware of that is really important, especially because you know, in addition to the mean girl kind of stuff that we talked about society also so that you know the mean girl kind of behavior that we talked about is women how women treat other women society also you know does a variety of things to mess with our minds when we try to compete yes they do which we had that's what we talked about a little bit ago which is the negative feedback we get for actually 
being competitive. Yeah, like for a, engaging in competitive behavior, like slut shaming. Oh, that was a big one. Oh, right. Yeah. Or uh, oh, it's a painful one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, you know, cat fights, and you know, like just being weird and rude mm-hmm, and demoralizing mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. women for just having a competitive nature or wanting to have a competitive. Right. Edge. And this is the thing where I think when we, you know, have what is it that we do to kind of shift this paradigm? How do we kind of get out of this weirdness and have clean competition? where we are willing to push ourselves and to try and achieve some other skill, accomplishment, thing, way of being, lifestyle, whatever it is we're trying to achieve. How is it that we can kind of get out of this box that we get put in around competition and engage in it in a really healthy way? Yeah, well, you're the pro here. You're the attorney slash sports. I'm I'm the athlete. Those days are (laughs) long gone. Um, But it is funny. I still love sports. Yeah. I know that. I still love sports. Okay, so I did some work around this because, you know, some things in your life are really intuitive and sometimes you can just not be aware of what it is you're actually doing, thinking, feeling. So I really had to kind of settle into, okay, Kirsten, why is it that you feel this way, right? Why Mm -hmm. is it that you feel this way about competition? Why do you want this for other women so badly? Why? And this comes down, I think, I looked at the psychology magazines and the different kinds of articles that you see out there that kind of talk about women in competition at work. And I thought about my own experiences and my own kind of life. And here are the things that I came up with. Okay, this is my compilation. All right. So be confident. We've talked about that in a prior episode. If you are comfortable in your own skin, if you can accept who you are, if you can be able to be vulnerable without being threatened or upset, okay, not without being, you know, undone by that. So confident in your own skin and who you are. It's very helpful. It's very helpful for, you know, letting a lot of stuff kind of lot of the water off the duck's back thing, right? It's yeah. helpful for a lot of those things. And here's the thing that I think is really important. What is your journey? Now, we talked about that, defining your own success in a prior episode, and I think that's really important on competition, understanding that this is what you want, this is your life, this is what you want to achieve, and getting really clear about that and not getting distracted by stuff that other people have, right? Like, I can so remember when I was raising young children and working full-time, and I would go into people's houses and see these beautiful scrapbooks, Right. And I would be so, oh my gosh, I really want Mm -hmm. to have those scrapbooks. And I would be envious because I didn't, I was like, I really want that. Right. Which I think is the beginning of what is healthy competition. But I also realized, no, 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 that is not my journey. I do not have that time. And I'm not going to make that time to learn how to do all that stuff. So getting really clear about what is my journey? What do I want to accomplish? I think that was really important. And then when I went into their houses, I could just love their scrapbooks. And also at the end, being confident in who you are. I mean, yes. you were a, you're still an okay, you're still a great person, I'm even though you don't person, have scrapbooks. Even though I don't have any artistic ability, yeah, exactly. whatever it is. And then I also think that it is okay to be happy. It is okay to feel successful. And I think when you can be satisfied with your happiness and success, I think that can motivate other people. 
Does that lead to healthy competition in your mind? I, yeah, I think it does. Because you're satisfied with yourself, but you see something you want to aspire to. It's like a never-ending cycle, right? Like yeah. I feel good about my accomplishment, whatever they are, and I think they generate more. I think if I'm happy, I generate more happiness. So I think that's part of it. And being, you know, just that's just it. It's being my inspiration. Like what is it that I want to accomplish and not getting drawn off course by other people's lives? Right. Yeah. And I think that's where some of the negative competition comes up is that you want something somebody else has when it may not even be core to who you are. Yeah. It may not be your journey. Yep. And then we come back to this again and again. I think that part of healthy competition is supporting your peers, right? Is supporting other women, lifting other women up. On every single sports team that one of my sons was on, somebody has commented to him that something he did on the field changed the course of the game. Hmm. He's a really good sport. Like there was a really tough soccer game once and there was a lot of pushing and shoving and throwing and messy, you know. And at one point, one of the other players was on the ground and my son went over and pulled him up and pat him on the back. And, you know, the coach came into me after the game and said that changed the course of the game. And so I think that when we support each other, it changes the course of the game. And that doesn't mean you lose. You can still be supportive of each other yeah. and still win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thanks. That's it. That's that, my are thing. Are you sure? That's my thing. I just meant to say thanks for that. I didn't mean to, t- to you can cut me make off it. Now. No, I didn't mean to end it. These are great. <laughs> These are great. And what's so funny is what you're talking about to me is like, yeah, this makes me a better person. What you're, Mm -hmm. if I can manifest Mm -hmm. all of that, I identify my path. I go, I go forward with confidence. I don't need to make people feel bad along the way, but I can also strive for the things that I want, i.e. healthy competition. And to be competitive does not mean that you're not compassionate and empathetic. And that's what I think. I think we've let men own competition. And I think we've let men define competition. I think the patriarchy has given us this view, vision, paradigm. And I just think it's BS. Yeah, it doesn't have to be dangerous. It, does it not doesn't serve have us. to be hurtful. Mm-mm. It doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't mean that you're trying to throw somebody else under the bus. It doesn't have to be masculine. Right. I just really want women to claim competition in the deepest way, because in all candor, I think that compassion and empathy and all of the other talents that we've talked about that women have in spades in the workplace can just blow the doors out of competition in the most beautiful way. Exactly. I really do. And so I think the big takeaway for me is, you know, which is kind of the big takeaways for most of these shows, change the course of the game. Yep. Change the course of the game. Redefine things. You get you get to be exactly who you are. And you are amazing even if or maybe because you want to strive for more. Here's what I love about this particular show. You don't need anybody's help to do this. Like, you don't have to change the culture in your workplace. Yeah. You can just do it yourself. And I know that from experience. I was the only one doing this in the workplace, right? Because I was the only woman. Yeah. And I just want to say this is one of those places where you don't have to change your culture. You are your culture here. Exactly. And you get to do it. It's okay. It's great. Compete. Compete. Go out there. Make your life so great that we just can't stand it. Please. Go get it. Go get it. (laughs) Go get it. Hey, in final moments here before we close, I want to just do another shout out to all of the people who are on the front lines of our community and other communities. Oh my gosh, yeah. Back to that original thing that we talked about. Thanks for putting the apples out in the produce department. Thanks for packing the groceries. Thanks for taking the money. Thank you so much to health workers and people who are caring for our sick, our elderly, our vulnerable populations. And also, 
Thank you to each and every one of you who are staying at home right now. If you're listening to this and you're in a community where you're still being asked to stay at home, you're as much a hero as that person who's working mm-hmm. at the hospital right now because you're keeping our community safe. So thanks to all of you for doing all of those things. Be really careful with yourself. Take really good care of yourselves. Yeah. Thanks for working. And for listening. Okay. Bye. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. listening.